Hello and welcome to Philly and the Over, a brand new Philadelphia-based sports gambling podcast brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Joe Simonera. I'm joined by Shane Curran. Shane, tell us what's on tap for today. Philly spring training, 76ers second half, NHL trade deadline. All right, time to cash in. Philly spring training has kicked off there a handful of games in so far. I think they're, they've played like five or six games so far today. They played against the twins and this was notable. Uh, the most notable thing out of a four, four tie was the fact that Andrew Painter made his first start as a Philly. It, it looked pretty good early on. He had, I think five of his first six uh, pitches were fastballs and they, they range between 96 and 99 miles an hour. Uh, he introduced a new cutter and overall he pitched two innings, three hits, one run and one strikeout. Looked pretty good. Joe, what were your thoughts? Yeah, he, he looked good. I, I, I still am just really, and the thing I think that gives him such a good advantage or such a good opportunity to make the big club is just his physicality. I talk about it all the time, but he just looks like he doesn't look 19 out there. He's just, really big imposing uh you know very professional looking pitcher um like you said you know he got up to 99 twice both against carlos correa um and that's the other thing he faced you know he faced the top of the twins order and then the meat of the order so uh it wasn't these are guys that are all going to be you know in the majors he struck out max kepler really just just completely twisting him up um you know correa was one of the hits it was an infield hit um he hit 99 like i said against against him um he had some good defense behind him. He he got in a jam in the second inning where he gave up two hits back-to-back. Uh, um, back, the first two batters he faced, he got out of it only with one run. Um, and I think the um, I think the the five-hole hitter he faced, I can't remember who it was, uh, just got up there and just, just sat on a fastball on the first pitch and and, and smoked it. Um, and I think that's, that's one of the big differences that he's going to have to adjust to between, you know, I mean, the guy was pitching against high school guys, you know, a year ago um, and then in the minors for, for the uh, last year. So, the, the one big difference, I think, is these guys are are a you know they're more patient, but they also know okay he's throwing fastballs. I'm sitting on one, and I'm going to take it on the first pitch. Like I'm not I'm not letting him throw one by me. Um, so I think that's something he's got to adjust to. And then the other uh, you know the other thing that I think we have to factor in with with all of our you know talk about baseball and spring training in general these these you know rule changes which we talked about last week and and Painter from what I understand has always worked really fast. Um, he was working faster than any pitcher I've ever seen work ever. It was, it was just like throws a pitch, gets the ball back and he, and he's ready to throw again. It was incredible. Um, I think a lot of that could have been, could have been nerves. He could have been really, uh, you know, really excited. I, I understand the pitch clock. I don't think, I don't think it was more trying to, you know, think about that, but I think that he was just working really fast. I think there's some nerves there as, as there should be. He's, you know, he's 19 years old. So uh, all in all, I think it was, uh, you know, a good start. Like I said, he had a strikeout. He hit 99 twice, um, he, he looks the part, uh, but I'm curious to see, you know, what he does the rest of the spring. It wasn't like he got up there and struck six guys out and, you know, yeah, hit it's, a shower. It's two innings you know. of work, right? Yeah, not a huge sample size either. So I, I'm very curious to see, um, just to see what he does in his next couple starts. I, I, I really, I still think the only way he doesn't earn that fifth starter spot is if he just gets starts getting crushed, um, you know, in, in the next couple couple starts. We'll, we'll see what happens, but but I mean... You know, all in all, I think it's a, it's a good performance from him. So the other player to touch on was the big free agent acquisition, Trey Turner. He has played in two games so far this preseason. He's had six at bats. He's gone four for six <laughs> with two runs, 
three RBIs and a stolen base. Another small sample size, but it doesn't look like he has uh, he left any anything back on the West Coast. Yeah, I mean the guy is you know if you're if you're a fantasy baseball person, he's your first your first overall pick for sure. Um, he, he's I mean you know with certainly without Harper playing, he's the best player on the Phillies. Maybe even with Harper playing, he might be the best player on the Phillies. Um, and that that that's you know this is a team that includes the best catcher in baseball, one of the best catchers of the last you know twenty years. Um, so so Turner is uh, he's he's as advertised. I mean you know the, again it's spring training, but. The other thing you got to factor in with spring training is it's spring training for hitters too. And, and this isn't, you know, Turner could be, you know, trying new things up there. Uh, not, not in the sense of, you know, adjusting his swing or anything like that. Although there could be things where, uh, you know, maybe just things that Kevin Long found, you know, from, from years past his approach, things like that, that he's working on. So, you know, I think to go four for six when you're working on things, um, cause that's what this is for. I think that's, that's really impressive. Um, but yeah, the guy is, he's just as advertised. It, it really is, a uh, it really is an awesome, just an awesome player to have. And I think, uh, you know, we're coming off of this world series run. He wasn't, he wasn't a part of it. Um, you know, everyone knows what Bryce Harper can do when, when healthy, but, but I think Turner's, you know, it is going to be, turning some heads. I think he's going to, he, you know, I, I think everyone knows he's good, but I think he might surprise some people with just how good he is. Derek Hall also had a home run today. He, he's been killing it since he got called up, Yeah, uh, you know, in the games last year, we need to find this guy some more at bats going into the year. You know, the, the best thing they did with Hall last year, um, he gets called up and they bat him fourth. Yep. Like that's your DH spot. That's where you, that's where him. he belongs. Yeah. Such a you know that 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 was really the first move where I said oh Thompson is thinking a little he's thinking a little bit different like this is not something I, it's certainly not something I've ever seen. Um, yeah, it's, it's like when it, Howard came like, up to yeah, replace Tommy, right? Yeah, it, it wasn't like, like oh that. let's let's this is a young mm-hmm. guy let's get him in and put him, you know eighth. Right, it was, right, right, right. Let's put him where he belongs. Yep. So I, I mean, yeah, he he's been good. You're you're going to need. I mean, I, like I said, they're they're trying him out in the outfield. I I, I don't. I, I mean. The guy's probably an athlete, but he's not covering a lot of ground out there. That, that's that's for sure. I think he fits into this DH role really well. Um, you know, especially when when you don't have uh, when you don't have have Harper. So uh, you know, I think that that Hall continues to hit home runs. There's going to be a spot for him. You know, in that lineup, and it's going to be you know fairly regularly. I bet um, as we get into the season. So um, it'll be uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to watch him. A um, couple other guys though, I think I think can can you know compete for for some of those dh bats and i, I know that that thompson's gonna gonna utilize them um you know guy like like sosa who he was down down this game but uh early in the spring i think he started like seven for eight or, or something so so he's been hitting well um uh you know and then, and then the other kind of interesting um the interesting name that i sort of picked up on i mentioned you know painter had some defensive help uh uh, if you remember Simone Musiadio or whatever his name, or Musiati, Musiati, yeah, Musiati, who played a little bit last year, he made a really good play um, in the outfield where he was able to uh, actually make two really good plays. One, he had to travel a distance to to shag a fly ball, and then the other one, he made a great throw to double up a guy, go to second from uh, from first on on an out. So, um, defense is going to be really important for this team as well. Um, you know, the other the other notes, uh, I, I guess that we can we can mention. Scott Kingery went two for two. So it's good to see that. I mean, the talent's always been there, I, I think, and it's it's you know just a matter of um, finding you know, a position. I mean, yeah, he's, he's I, a utility it's, player; it's right? he right. can play all over the field. But uh, you know, he he hasn't really gotten that that opportunity to to solidify any position. Yeah. So so we'll see. Um, 
yeah, it, it's 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 good. I think though that that the Phillies have played well early in the spring. I I always like I, I put a lot of um I put more stock than most do into uh you know into into spring training. We talk about it with the Ravens who like haven't lost a preseason game in in like ten years or something. I forget what the stat was, but but I do put something into like spring training. Um, and not just in the sense of guys trying to trying to win jobs. I think that, you know, I, I think it does just kind of give you an idea of, OK, you know, maybe there's a guy who was a little bit banged up last year. Uh, Zach Wheeler is a, a really, really good, uh, good, good, um, good talking point for for this where, you know, last year, I think he said in his press conference, he started on Tuesday recording this Wednesday night. Um, you know, he, he was hitting 97, 98. And they said, you know, last year, when were you, when did you start hitting 97, 98? He said, uh, it was, it was honestly probably like the end of May. So, yeah. um, so I mean, you know, you see that guy coming to camp and he's good. So this is a gambling podcast from a gambling perspective. You say, all right, well, Wheeler, you know, might be hundred percent healthy this year. He, he finally gets that Cy Young. I mean, he lost it by basically one vote, um, two years ago. So, uh, you know, you can look at, look at things like that. In spring. I love, I love spring training. I love, I love all preseason stuff. And I don't think it's just because, the the regular you know the, the important games are, are close I, I i think that you do glean a lot from it um and especially from a gambling perspective place your bets the 76ers have had three games since the all-star break and they have the toughest remaining schedule uh, strength of schedule across the league for the stretch here the the last three games so they start off with the grizzlies who they were losing to for a majority of the game, came back in the fourth. Man, nice little, nice prepay on that one. Talk mm-hmm. about that in a little oh, yeah. bit. Uh, <laughs> the Celtics, they lost by three, and the Heat, they lost by two. And in both of those games, they left a, you know, a shot with you know a few seconds left on the clock. Let's yeah. start with the Celtics. That game, after <laughs> Embiid made those two foul shots, I was watching with a group of people, and the first thing I said was, Tatum's going to rip our hearts out. And sure enough, he hit an incredible i mean it was pretty good coverage right he hit an incredible shot on that yeah Uh, he was he was defended he got a little bit of separation from melton and you know it's it's over there yeah Yeah. and then i guess did you watch that game live and beats shot at the end uh if not like what what was your reaction to that yeah so so here was my that was on last saturday so my saturday i was in north carolina i went to the virginia unc game which was at six um drank the entire day leading up to it after the game, went to a bar, watched the first half in a bar, then went back to the Airbnb. So watched the whole second half there. Um, getting to that point where like you're not even drunk, you're just hungover. Like yeah. you're hungover from yep. drinking at you know noon in the day. Mm-hmm. So I'm just kind of like I'm trying to get into the game, but it, it just felt like a lost cause. And I just said like, you know, Sixers aren't going to beat teams that are better than them. That's just how it goes. And they start putting this run together, putting this run together, putting this run together, and they end up tying the game with 10 seconds left. I think it was Embiid free throws, correct? Yeah. So I just said like, oh man, and and not even thinking necessarily Tatum. I just said like, I don't know, really good teams with, with 10 seconds, a lot. Oh, that's, that's a lot. And uh, uh, sure enough, you know, ball goes into, into Tatum and and he does what Tatum does. Um, Of course. And I'm, I'm, I'm angry at Embiid and I'm going to tell you why. So, for those who didn't, you know, rage turn off the TV, Embiid had a heave from the opposite end of the floor, the opposite three point line a shot that, put. that he that he sunk. So, like, it, it's hard to register that it even went in. Yes. So the people I'm with are screaming. I'm like still trying to register it, and then I just see Embiid like shaking his head, walking off the court. Yep. So I, I knew right away. He knew immediately that he did not get it off in time. It was it was, it was actually close than I thought, but um, point two. I mean, I mean really point two thing. seconds away. But but he, yeah, um, I mean the Celtics are so they're so tough. I said it. That's why I said last week. I just don't I don't 
see us getting you know past them, at least in the regular season. I don't see us ever. Like, I don't see us or the Bucks getting that one seed. Do you think, as I was watching that, and I know Embiid left the court, but one of the things that I saw there was Tatum had turned his back after the ball was inbound. He didn't. He wasn't even watching it. He was walking toward the bench. Yeah. And then he had to when his he saw his teammates react, and then he had to look up to like what the hell is going on. Do you think that shot actually does anything either from Embiid for Tatum? Just be like, you know, we're gonna play till the last second. Well, remember two years ago against Phoenix, the Sixers were down like two with one second left, and Embiid threw it from again beyond half court, and it just rimmed out. But that that one would have counted. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know. It, like, I, I don't know. I I don't like you. I. I I just I can't explain how Embiid ha- has come you know close to doing that twice and ma- making one of them. I think that I, I mean I think if that if that shot counted, I think the Sixers would have won that game by twenty points in overtime. They would have went twenty zero in overtime because you're just so dejected there. Um, for the Celtics, I do think it probably puts a little something in their head like oh my god, like this guy is <laughs> this yeah. guy's r- ridiculous. Yeah. We better actually play you know the entire forty eight minutes and not you know forty seven. 59 so um yeah i think it might might do a little something it just sucks that you know it was it was just a just a hair laid out of his hand so the moving on to the heat game that for, was... for that, have, have you ever seen like any, like anything like that live it, even just like i can i and i'll give you an example of the one i'm thinking of nothing i mean that that was absurd the one i saw was it was this was probably 10 years ago if not more and it was lewis williams it was a day game and I was there and they were playing the Kings and he kind of had, they were down three, uh, you know, five, four seconds, something like that left. And Lou takes the ball in and kind of like, like plants his feet almost like a little bit beyond, beyond half court and, and makes a shot. That was like the craziest one that I think I ever, I ever saw in that, in that vein and that, that sent it to overtime. So I've been to two, the, the one I can't, I can't remember if it's the, the final play of the game. It, uh, now that I think of it, it's probably the end of the period because because I, I don't remember celebrating like it was the end of the game, but yeah. I remember Pronger was coming up the wing. There was only a few seconds left, so he was coming up the ring, ring made a nice saucer pass uh, to Drew, I believe it was, or it may have been the opposite way around. Yeah. I think it's Drew who made a nice saucer pass to Pronger, who tapped in with like 0.3 seconds left. Yeah, that um, you don't see that in hockey a lot. Yeah, so I saw yeah, that, and crazy. then in football, I, I don't know if this was the last play, but I was at that game where, where Matt Ware took the blocked field goal. They may have been playing the Chargers, took a blocked field goal back for... Um, for a touchdown. And I think it was a go-ahead field goal that they were kicking. I don't remember if it was a walk-off or if there was a few seconds yeah, left, but those were those were probably the closest that, that I've come. Yeah, the the only time I, I ever saw a buzzer beater that won a game, well, I saw it twice. And I'll tell you, uh, I'll give you the, the, the secondary one first. And that was, I was there when Chris Jenkins made the shot that won the national title for Nova. Oh, that's right. Um, and that was insane because throughout the entire break if you remember marcus page made one of the most insane shots you'll ever see for north carolina right before to, to tie the game so um everyone in the arena just assumed overtime and we and we, they gave out these like uh seat cushions and people just threw them all over they had to like, clean them up off the floor they were just everywhere and then of course that happened uh the one the worst one though was um i was in fourth grade drexel Hill raiders basketball tie game no i'm sorry i'm sorry we're down one I get fouled, go to the line, I make two foul shots. So <laughs> talk about Jason Tatum. You should have seen a, a fourth grade Joseph Manera. So I am like raising the roof, running down the court, and just not realize there's like four seconds left and some kid makes a shot that wins the game. <laughs> Dribbles right by you and I was it up. 
<laughs> that's like basically exactly what happened as I was uh, as I was celebrating. So yeah, that was that was a brutal one to to be a part of. I still still remember it. Yeah, it's tough to uh, raise that roof in Dutch, Jim. Yeah. All right, on to the Miami Heat, though, who Sixers also play uh, about 10 minutes Yeah, they minutes play tonight. tonight. So watching that game, that was actually a great game, and that was the closest thing I've seen to playoff basketball this entire year. That that fourth quarter was a defensive battle. And I'll tell you, Bam Bam can play some defense, and Bede was, was giving it to anyone that was trying to come into the lane. And it was really interesting because I think that's the first time as I was watching it that I remember two teams in the NBA playing zone defense for – that long of a stretch the nba is was so i mean they get for for a period for a stretch there they did not want those guys playing zone defense at all and those were i mean i haven't seen i, I don't see it a lot I, I could probably tell you count on one hand how many times i've seen defensive three seconds this season so i i think that teams get away with a little bit of that where where guys are sort of standing around playing playing you know a pretty traditional zone defense but um yeah i think that the fourth quarter, you're right, was was great. I just I don't think it needed to come to that. The Sixers were just like asleep for the first three quarters. I mean, you cannot look. I think they're a better well, that, team than the Heat. I think that's actually them- the Heat's mo. They they tend to sleep through the first three quarters and yeah, then just yeah, turn right, on the right, fourth. So right. maybe they're just trying to you know save I, energy to to be able to hang with them in the fourth. I don't I don't want them in the first round, but I think that's the way it's shaping up. I think that they'll they'll probably be the the six seed, and the Sixers are going to have to deal with them as the three and. If they come out and play like that in that series, they're going to lose. They will. They will lose that series. I, I looked at the line tonight. The Heat are one and a half point favorites. Granted, the game's in Miami. Um, I think the Sixers are, are and Harden's better. in Miami. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's true. Actually, the old Miami field, flu, uh, Miami flu for for Harden. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I I think the Sixers are just a better better team, and that that was a really frustrating game to lose because you're right. They have such a difficult schedule. Yet, like if you have an opportunity to win those games, Celtics, that's fine. I almost chalked it up to a loss. Grizzlies, well, great th- win. that Celtics one hurts more me. than more than you think because the the Sixers ideally, if they could get out of having to play Miami and or uh, the the Bucks. Well, I'm sorry, the Bucks or uh, they would have to play them in the second round. Yeah, right. Yeah, so having to not play them both teams, right? Yeah. That's that's ideal. Oh, yeah. Now, oh, yeah. now that being said, the, the Sixers have had easy er paths the way that the matchups have worked over the past two years, and they haven't been able to to get out of the second round. So when you look at that though, that game to Boston, there are four games up now in the standings. That's a two two point swing right there. So the Sixers could really could have gained some ground and now they've already lost the tiebreaker to Boston on the on the year because they're they're down three oh. So that that's gonna be a tough one to overcome. You you really need that game against Boston. Now yeah, one against Miami. It the end of that game, when you some of the camera angles, that shot that Harden had was as straight as an arrow. The, from, mi- the mystery the mystery to, to win good. the game yeah it, it went back it went back on right it went back on yeah but he had that dead on and Embiid made a nice play actually the defender i think it was uh gabe what's his name uh, the, uh gabe vincent vincent gabe, thank you gabe, gabe vincent yeah so he double teamed at the perfect time because Embiid had no other chance he couldn't have taken another dribble either had to go up and shoot it right then and there with one second left or he had to kick it out for a quick three and Harden actually made a really nice play to sidestep uh jimmy butler who was closing out on him and he had a good look uh it was a great look absolutely it was a great look um you know i i didn't so (laughs) we can just gotta figure out a way to to do something about this um the fourth quarter i had to watch i had to watch on my phone i'm putting the baby to sleep so i'm now streaming it through the xfinity stream app so uh, I'm texting with my brother-in-laws as it's happening. And uh, 
like yeah. literally before anything happens, I get the one text that says like shit or the one that says like, well, there you go. And then I see hard and miss a shot. Like we have to, I mean, I guess I shouldn't just, just not be on my phone, but can we find a way to just uniform? Cause I know one's on YouTube TV. I'm on the Xfinity stream. And the other one is probably on YouTube TV as well. Like, why why can't it just be uniform? Like I, I hate it so much. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I was I was watching the game on on stream as well because I was not by my primary TV. And while I was watching it, I, I don't care as much for people text me because I can mute that. But for gambling purposes, because when yeah. I would check what the live line was, I would see the score before it actually happened on, yep. on the screen. Yep, so yep, yep. Um, that's you know I know there's always an eight second delay, but that uh, when you're watching stream, it, it it turns it into a fifteen to twenty second delay, which you know can cost you some money. Yeah, I just, I just can't stand it. But um, yeah, yeah, like you said. I mean, hard man. I, I, I when I did see it, I just said, oh, "That's good. It's got to go down." But so jumping back to the to the Memphis game now. At the top, I mentioned I, I made some money on that game. The Sixers were down throughout. Do, do tell. That game. And my betting strategy. You mentioned going into the the game tonight with the Sixers versus Miami. Miami is a one point favorite now. I don't take games before they happen. I think in the NBA there are too many ten point runs, and I think it's actually foolish. You're gonna you're gonna lose money in the long run by by taking those type of lines. Whereas I tend to wait for a team to go on a significant run, 10, 15 point run. I mean, we see it all the time. A team comes out and they're up twenty to six or twenty to four. So what I found is the best time to bet is between the uh uh six minutes left in the third quarter and six minutes left in the uh, fourth quarter. So you have about a 12 okay. minute stretch of game there where you're going to get the best line. And what I tend to look for is the better team who is down from anywhere from eight to 10 points during that time. So the Sixers, I ended up getting at 10 to one uh, during that time. Wow. And wow. this is at the end know, of the last six minutes of the fourth quarter. No. So this was uh, between the last six minutes of the third quarter and the first. Oh, in that. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha, you. Within gotcha. that time frame. Yes. Okay. So I, I forget. I, I forget if I got that in the third or the fourth, but you know, 10 to one. And it, I, I wouldn't necessarily say the Sixers are a better team, but as I was watching, I'm like, they're in this game. You can tell when the team's playing yeah, and they're just yeah, either missing yeah. some shots. Or if you look at some of the percentages and be like, especially in the first half, if a team's shooting 75% from the field, you know, that's going to even out over the game. And if another team's shooting 25%, there's going to be a regression toward the mean. Yep. So when yep. that happens, that's when you really look for those opportunities to just bet the numbers. And you're betting that it's going to even out. Now, will that happen every single game? Absolutely not. I, I lost on Boston the other night when they were down by 15 to the Knicks. I, I took Boston in that same situation and they just never came through. So <laughs> what I tend to do is I tend to do two things. I tend to take the points, right? So I, t I think mm -hmm. I got the Sixers at plus eight and a half, yep. but then I also spr sprinkle a little bit on the money line. Um, there's a chance you lose both, but there's a really good chance that you can break even by covering that larger money yeah. line bet yep. by use by taking the points. Now, in the rare situations like that one, I was able to hit both and make a a, a nice profit on that game. Yeah, in basketball, I, I really like to to see you know stats about in college basketball, like who who are truly second half teams, um, and I I love seeing that because you can college basketball is just runs, 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 runs. And you could have a team down 15 going into halftime and come out and win the game. And you're still getting good, good money on that. Uh, I think in the NBA, you know, your, your strategy is, you know, very sound where, like you said, you know, all right, there's just a lid on the basket. And, you know, yeah. for this last five minute stretch, they've been shooting 13% and that's not going to continue throughout the yeah. entire game. And then, you know, the team starts making shots and that's going to improve the defense when they need to get stops. So then you're, you're, you know, you might not win that game, but like you said, if you're getting six or eight and a half and they're, I mean, it's 
probably going to fall in there somewhere, even if you don't win out, right? You're you're going to cover cover the spend on on taking the money line as well. So yeah, that's a, that's a that's a sound strategy. I like I like that. So with that strategy, I, I did the same exact thing on the Celtics game. Now that I only got, I think like plus six eighty or something like that. But in that situation, I was able to win the points, which was plus six and a half or plus seven. I lost the money line. I broke even, right? But ultimately, if you're just looking at this from a long-term betting perspective, uh, when you're getting you know 10 to one or eight to one, you really only need to hit once every eight times in order to break yeah. even. And yeah. and from my short term of doing this over the past two or three seasons, I've hit more frequently than not. So it's it's a work for me. So something to, something to keep a look at if you are a... Uh, live better. Now, Joe, from a basketball bank perspective, do you do you take prop bets? Do you take straight bets? Do you take over unders? Like, where do you lean from from an NBA perspective? Uh, I toss college in there too. I mean, it's um, yeah, col- I I have never taken a, a college prop bet, um, and a lot well, of that's it's, in Pennsylvania. It's you really can't. Yeah. yeah. Um, NBA, I will. If I have money to play with, I'll sometimes do like, you know, combined points, rebounds, assists, things like that. Um, I really never do anything other than just against a spread. Um, So I'm either looking for, I mean, really in the NBA, which which I don't, you know, it's not, it's not what I'm best at. um, But a lot of it is, all right, team on the second night of a back to back. I I always like to go, you know, against them. Um, tonight, tonight's line, I think is extremely fishy that the heat or minus one and a half. I, I just, they're going to, they're going to beat the Sixers twice in two nights and, or three nights and they're that much better. So I think the heat, you know, you might want to put some money, money on that. Cause it just seems like a very odd line. Um, so that, that's really what I look for just where something doesn't add up last night. Um, you had number 18, San Diego state, this is college San Diego state playing, um, at Boise state and, uh, Boise state is minus two and a half against the 18th team in the country. Um, so I said, all right, that, that looks a little odd. Take it. Uh, Bo- uh, San Diego state just is blowing the doors off the entire game in the last, I think it was, I think boys went on a 14 0 run in the last like six minutes of the game and won by like six to cut covered. So um, that, that's another thing I look for is just if a line looks a little odd because there are, there's so many games and it's so much stuff to, to look into. Um, and if you're not really focused on it, I think it's hard to do props. I think it's hard to, um, to, to do over unders, things like that team totals. You have to be really tuned in or do your homework, which I'm not good at. So um, I just look for look for the easy way out and, you know, roll the dice. The, it looks like Embiid is out for tonight's game. Set line is actually jumped oh, okay. up to minus four. All right. Yeah. There um, must have been some rumblings that he was. Yeah. The, the the only other thing I'll say for for NBA betting that that I look for, and I, I'm sort of on the same same boat as you. I, I just wait for the live betting, uh, as I mentioned. But I will sprinkle some on parlays, you know, especially if I'm at the game. So something like uh, when I was at the game two weeks ago, it was mm-hmm. I was looking at it and. I'll look at the the alternate point totals and I'll try and take a long shot there. So I think I got Maxi at um, you know, to score 20 points at at four to one and then to score 25 points at 15 to one or, or whatever it was. So that ended up being a nice little hit because he actually came out and played. So you, you I don't you don't get the best value when you take guys like Tatum or Embiid or or right. others in that situation. Never, yep. But if you're looking for that second or third score and just Banking on it being one of those nights, that's where uh, that's where you can turn a nice little profit. And if I do one of those, I'm always looking at like you know, kind of a random guy like over two and a half assists, things like yeah. things like that. Where he'll get, he'll get, you know, he'll get three assists, yeah. no problem. Yeah, never, never right, but 
Place your bets. Shane, the NF- N- NFL, oh boy, I'm still stuck at the Super Bowl. The NHL trade deadline is coming up on Friday, uh, March 3rd. The Flyers have been really quiet uh, thus far. They, I think they have some veteran pieces in, in Kevin Hayes and um, James Van Riemsdyk, who, who they could trade. I think they have a very interesting piece that could yield some return in Carter Hart. Um, Chuck Fletcher... Uh, gave a brief press conference Flyers general manager where he kind of uh, gave a little insight into maybe his thought process here. And and he said, uh, you know, he wants young assets. Well, him and, you know, every other team that sucks. So, <laughs> you know, good luck. You're going to probably have to trade. You're not going to, I think that, you know, you could get rid of Van Reams, like, but you're not going to get much in return. Um, Hayes, you probably could. Hayes is interesting, though. He said he prefer to stay in Philly than go to a contender. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, he's just, I guess he's well, I just think, happy. I think he has a limited no trade clause. Okay. I need to, I need to double check that. Uh, yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, he has, he has a bunch of BC guys on his team. So yeah, it's true. Um, he's happy. Uh, you know, but, but I think that aside from that, there's not a whole lot of pieces where you're really going to improve the team. Um, he also two things sort of rubbed me a, a little bit wrong. Um, he mentioned, you know, we 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 don't have Atkinson, we don't have Couturier, and now we don't have Konechny. So that's a lot of goals left there. Um, as if if you know, I mean, Konechny's played the whole season; he just got hurt. You know, Couturier, best player on the team. Um, so having him would would certainly be be helpful. Atkinson, I, we we don't really know. I, I don't think you're that much better if those two guys had, had been playing along with with Konechny, um, because the rest of the team is I mean, they're losing game seven, nothing. So that that was a little bit a little bit odd. And then he kind of goes from that to saying, you know, people are certainly curious as to why did you we talked about this before. Why did you get the team good enough to finish like 10th from the bottom? Like, what was the point of doing this? Yeah. And he says, well, there's a lot of good players coming after Connor Bedard. And it's like. Okay, but that thinking doesn't really stack up with me because you have a guy who can essentially save the, the franchise at number one. So you should be doing and, and again, the, the way the lottery works in the NHL is weird. Like even if you had the the worst record, you don't have like that great of a chance to get the, the first pick. I think it's only maybe a I forget, I forget what what the how it breaks down, but it's a little bit different than the NBA. But I still think you do everything you can to to, to get this guy or just get, get as high in the draft as you possibly can. Um, I understand there's, you know, a lot of good hockey players out there. Uh, but but you had a real a one that is everyone wants this guy. This this is I mean, you know, everyone's talking about Victor Webanyama in, in the NBA. Uh, you know, Bedard would would be like, you know, I, I, from from what you read, what you what you see. I think that Bedard would be the the more valuable, well, more valuable asset. It would be LeBron James coming into the NBA again. Uh, is what is how they talk about this guy better than better than McDavid coming out, which is insane because all you heard about for an entire year was Connor McDavid. So uh, the other Connor is is uh, just supposed to be incredible, and the Flyers will not have any chance at him. And I think it's odd that Fletcher is almost saying like, you know, we're going to finish poorly, but there's other good guys coming out. It's just it's just a weird thing. It's been a weird season, a very weird season. Yeah, and they, the so the Flyers didn't really make too many um, moves that I think would would excite anyone. But there there were some big names that moved around, and I was getting you know lit up all all week with different uh, different posts about this, and yeah. I was surprised. You know, I haven't been the most uh, advocate uh, hockey fan over the past two to three years. Mm-hmm. Now. Storylines out with the Flyers, not Flyers, not, right? Yeah. Up, right. But some of the names that that are being traded, you know, I was looking at them thinking that they're big names, but really they're just old names, right? So we're getting to that point where some of these guys are just yeah. 
are just getting up there in age. Like Patrick Kane, I, yeah. mean, I don't think we ever would have thought that he would be traded from Chicago, right? He yeah, just seemed yeah. like a lifer there. Yep. So he got traded. I know that the Devils improved. They landed uh, Timo Mir. Jonathan was Quick good. was traded. Yeah, and he's pissed. He's like pissed about it. <laughs> yeah, was- there's... I mean, there's a handful of old flyers too that were traded. You know, some yeah, ghost Michael Delzado, uh, Ghost. Oh wow, he's still Luke playing. Shen, yeah. Gustafson. Uh, there's uh, yeah. there's some big names, and then you see other guys that are you know still cracking like Ryan O'Reilly. You see Shea yep. Weber. All yep. these guys are it's on crazy. the move. Yeah. Um. I and that Shea Weber trade made me think back to he's still on that contract that uh, we offered him. I think it was a 13 year contract. Yep. Worth at the time it was over a hundred million dollars, and it was I think the largest contract in, in NHL history. Yep. And they uh, at the time the Predators matched it. Uh, imagine if he if he was just on our team all I, these years. I know it's it just oof, just crazy man. crazy to think about. It is. I I just hope the Flyers can do you know just something get a couple draft picks maybe maybe get some of these young assets that that Fletcher wants um and and then you can wake me up when it's time for the NHL playoffs cuz they're awesome. Oh yeah. Place your bets. It is March 1st and that means March madness is upon us several of the uh, mid-major conferences have started their tournaments. I watched the great uh, Bucknell versus American game last night. Uh, so next week, make sure you tune in. We're going to have Shane McNichol back on back on the podcast. Uh, he works for uh, ESPN's Bracketology, the Action Network. Uh, he's all over the place. He gave great insight earlier in the season. So we're going to have him back on next week to talk about everything in the world of college basketball, get you ready for the tournament, and get you ready, most importantly, to make money on the tournament. So make sure you tune in next week when we have Shane McNichol back on the podcast. Place your bets. For Joe Simonera, I'm Shane Curran. That's all for today's show. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends. Remember, rate, review, subscribe, and always bet on yourself. Philly and the Over is brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe?